What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock. And before we get started with today's podcast, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to please follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. That's P-L-Y-A-N-D-T-H-E-D-A-W-G, Ply and the Moldog. You can also find our live video game show most nights of the week at Plyrock Gamer on Facebook. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plyrock Gamer, P-L-Y-R-O-C-K-G-A-M-E-R. We appreciate all the support. We'd love it if you dropped us some feedback, a subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much and enjoy. Meeting at the intersection of entertainment and knowledge, of greatness and destiny, comes the greatest sports video game movie podcast on today. Please welcome in your hosts, Plyrock and Mitch the Moldaw. What's up everybody? It's your man Plyrock and welcome to another episode of Ply and the Mold Dog. It's midweek and I'm feeling good. I'm but I'm ready for the weekend. What's going on, Mold Dog? How are you, man? I am doing great. Uh the weather is better up here. We've had a few nice days. As we know, hope springs eternal. So no better time than the present to uh jump into spring training. We haven't hit baseball in a while and uh this seems like a pretty good time to do that. You know, it's funny you say the weather's getting nicer. We're here in New England, by the way. It's all the pioneers and everybody listening around the world. But uh, they always say here in New England, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. And so we've our weather is all over the place. We've just been happen to very lucky past few days, 60 degrees, you know. So, all right, spring training, dude. Here we go. We're getting so close to first pitch baseball, which is like right in Ply's wheelhouse. What's going on? What's the top stories? Who's hurt? Who's not hurt? Who's looking good? Let's go. I'm ready, Muldog. Hit me with it. Well, it's funny. The results out of spring training and the main news out of spring training has really been injuries. It's been a pretty injury-plagued first couple of weeks. And for those of you ready to give the World Series trophy to the New York Yankees once they sign Garrett Cole, you may want to hold off on that a little bit. Because the Yankees, yeah, the Yankees have as big a injury situations as anybody. Oh boy, who's hurt on the Yanks, dude? Well, they lost uh, Severino, who's one of their Oof. top three pitchers. He's gone for the year again. That's okay. their guy. Yeah, their second he, guy. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna end up missing the better part of you know two and a half out of the last four seasons, really, with him. And then we got another one here. This is, should be no surprise to anyone who follows the Yankees or baseball. And that's Giancarlo Stanton is hurt again. Shock, shock. How did these guys get hurt? Do they say? Dude, it is, a, it is such a great question. It is something I think about all the time. And it takes me back. During the steroid era was where you started to see some injuries that guys just never got before. Right, you started to see weird things with guys' hips. You started to see a lot of this oblique-type injuries that all of a sudden a guy's out eight weeks with an oblique. I didn't even know I had any obliques. 
I'm sure you can't. An, yeah. What's an oblique? I'm sure you can't. I'm sure you can't even see mine on my fat ass. But I was uh, going to say, I say an oblique is how I feel when I leave the bar and I've been there an hour too long. Well, that's like, that's about right. And and so that's what's going on. So during the steroid era, you have a lot of that. So now that we are out of the steroid era and the testing is all there and guys aren't using whatever performance enhancers they were using. You know, supposedly, mainly, yeah, it's supposedly mainly HGH and, and Wistrol and, you know, some of those other things, horse tranquilizers that they were using back then. Plylenol. But, yeah, it, it, it begs the question, is something else going on? Are these guys trying to find the new fountain of youth or the new, you know, home run injection? And is that leading to some of these, you know, this kind of just really avalanche of injuries now it's an impossible question to answer but there has to be some type of reason interestingly enough going back to the yankees the yankees fired and you don't hear about these guys much but the yankees fired their strength and conditioning coach oh gosh they should have right everybody was hurt for most of the season and that was and that was the reason right something's going on here we don't like this guy's program whatever it may be too many guys are getting hurt you're out of here You generally don't hear much about the strength and conditioning coach. But anyway, so they fired that guy, and now it's even worse. You know, their situation is even worse. Severino, Stanton, Aaron Judge is hurt again, and it's mysterious. They they can't put a uh, name on it. It's kind of, uh, you know, shoulder, neck, this. It's really mysterious. And, you know, those are between Severino, Stanton, and Judge. Those are three guys who need to be, you know, integral pieces to any type of Yankee World Series run. Garrett Cole only pitches once every five days. He cannot do it alone. So, you know, let's not let's not uh, call up Justin's and order those Yankee World Series rings just yet. It's amazing. It's funny you say uh, injuries like this. I remember when the Indians uh, were playing in the World Series a few years ago against the Cubs, and there was a big game, and Trevor Bauer was set to start against these Cubs. And he decided it would be a good idea to play with his uh, mechanical drone like the day before the World Series game. Oh, and yeah. and I don't know if you remember this story, but he, he cut himself on this mechanical drone like on his pitching hand, right, where it needed stitches. And then they tried to put new skin on it when he was pitching. He lasted, I think, an inning or two. There's blood all over the ball and all over the place. Yeah, it didn't work. Mix did not work. And we ended up losing the World Series in seven. Thank you, Trevor. We appreciate it. We're glad you moved on. So, but, uh, you know, these other injuries, we don't know. We're not getting... Could be a boating accident. Could be a drunk stumble in the off season. You know, could be just mowing the lawn or whatever. I mean, they're not telling us how these guys are getting hurt. They sure as hell aren't getting hurt playing baseball because they haven't done that yet. <laughs> well, and the the best the best one of all of those. Now you got to go back a little while on this, but Yoannis Cespedes of the Mets. Okay, he missed he missed all of last year. Uh, he is supposedly back. He looks great. He looks like a Greek god. You know, we'll see. You know, he's one hammy away from another eight and weeks. But that's pretty funny. Yeah. He looks like a Greek god. You said he does. He's just. I wonder. 
great. if I'm related to him. Could could be. I guess it's possible. Uh, I don't you, know. We could be cousins. You might want to do an Ancestry.com <laughs> on that, see how it comes out. But anyway, yeah. the way he got hurt last year, finally came out, right? It always comes out. When these guys, like when Madison Bumgarner wrecked his dirt bike, and you know, guys do these things, they always try to cover it up. It eventually comes out, right? So Yoannis Cespedes apparently has a rather large piece of property somewhere down in Florida, you know, some type of like ranch type compound spread. Apparently he encountered a wild boar somewhere on his property. And when eluding the boar tripped, fell, stepped in something, whatever the heck happened, (laughs) eluding the boar and he missed the whole year running away from a wild boar. Bro, we shouldn't laugh. Those those suckers are dangerous, man. Those wild pigs. Like, I don't know if you ever saw a predator, but like that pig that they think it's the predator in the beginning of the movie. Well, it's nighttime. Yeah, those those feral things, pigs. Yeah, no, those are nasty. I don't know if this was a feral pig or not. They said wild boar, but nonetheless, yeah, it was it was obviously scary enough where he was trying to escape it and not, you know either bring it down or, or whatever, but yeah, that so that's how he got hurt. So these freaking things happen. They're then, vicious, dude. Yeah. So, Hey, I wouldn't want one in my yard, but I just think it's kind of a, it's kind it's of not a even, news it's not even good. on how to get hurt. Yeah. It's not even new. It's not even uh, like good bacon. Like they're like all tough and gnarly and nasty. Like well, they're, what's the, what's the use if you can't get any bacon out of it? No, it sucks. They should go away anyway. So that's how he got hurt. But, some of these, like Aaron Judge, it just seems. Do you remember a player player named Grady Sizemore? Of course, he was a he. Grady Sizemore actually started with the Red Sox before he uh, became a superstar in Cleveland. Correct, and he was like the next big thing, and he was a great, great baseball player. You could see greatness all over this kid, like like Francisco Lindor is today. Like Grady Sizemore was it. And he, uh, you could, you could just tell he was naturally and not just naturally, cause there was a hard work ethic there too, but he was naturally gifted to play the game of ball, but he was so injury prone. This guy was injured like every three weeks and I'm pretty sure it ended his career because of the amount of injuries he had. Uh, He just couldn't stay healthy no matter what. I mean, you know, he'd go into the kitchen in the morning to make a strawberry smoothie and uh, he would trip and fall on his way to the blender. Like this guy was just injury prone. And I believe it shortened his career a lot. I believe he did. It did. He was a shooting star. He put together, you know, a handful, less than a handful even of really good seasons. But he was a shooting star and then he was gone. Yeah, he was like a Golden Glove winning, home run smashing uh, player, a shortstop. And within a few years, uh, he had like one season that was incredible. And he was a high up draft pick. And he was just, he was, he was it and just couldn't stay healthy. I felt so bad for him, too, because you could just see it was clearly not a lack of effort and clearly not a lack of talent. It was just a lack of luck, to be honest with you. So who else around the league? What else we got? Who else is falling apart around here before we uh, we can't really preview these teams yet because it really doesn't mean squat for another few weeks. But if these guys aren't healthy, 
uh, who else is injured? Well, as if the Red Sox couldn't get any more bad news, seeing as they still have this cloud hanging over their head, and we'll see when that gets resolved. But if the Red Sox were to do anything this year, it would require a healthy and effective Chris Sale. And once again, he supposedly had the flu in spring training, so he missed a little time there. No problem. He's got the flu. He comes back. The guy is wicked skinny and lanky as it is. He, he couldn't afford to lose 10 pounds having the flu. But he did. Yeah, so then he comes back, and then all of a sudden, he throws 15 pitches in the bullpen, and his yep. elbow is sore. Uh, oh, man. This kind of reminds me of uh, who was that kid who was uh, like the uh, Andrew Miller Remember Andrew Miller a couple of years ago? Reliever, was, the reliever or the starter? There was two of them. Yeah, Andrew Miller was the reliever for the Indians yeah, in the, the World Series. Lefty. Yep, the big lefty. Sure. Tall, lanky, shag, shaggy looking dude. Yep. And uh, just couldn't, just he has that one or two blowout seasons of unbelievable baseball. And uh, it's over. Like it's done. Like he's not. Uh, just injury prone again, sore elbow, sore, big arms, tall, lanky guys, big joints, man, big joints, more well, places come, for those things to fall apart. Well, and they come from, you know, he's, he's, you tend to see this more with lefties than you do with righties, guys who really drop down and kind of sling from the side. And when you do that, that is just more stress on the elbow than a nice clean over the top where you put a little more on the shoulder, which is a bigger muscle. So when you continue to put all that on the elbow, slinging from the side like that, you're you're asking for it. But the Red Sox actually got three. A second opinion is one thing. They got three opinions, and they recently released a a tweet or a little bit of a you know presser saying that they do not think he needs Tommy John. Now I've heard that a hundred times. Guy doesn't need Tommy John, and then all of a sudden in May when he has a bad start or two bad starts in a row, gets shut down, all of a sudden he needs Tommy John. So I don't think that that necessarily means he doesn't need Tommy John, but they may have caught a bit of a reprieve. But Can I ask you something real quick, just yeah. for people who may not necessarily know what Tommy John is? Oh, I'm what, sorry. Yeah, good that's point. Okay, what would you describe for when a pitcher or a player needs Tommy John? What does that mean? Yeah, Tommy Tommy John surgery is is the surgery named after a pitcher named Tommy John who pitched for the Dodgers in the 80s and the Yankees in the 80s and he was the first person to have this procedure. And it is the ulnar collateral ligament in the elbow that needs to be uh basically put back together. You 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 know, you tear that you tear that ligament, you can't pitch. So guys used to just, that was it. They were done. You know, they tear they tear that ligament, there's no coming back. Yep, okay. Tommy John, they can now put that ligament back together, but even with today's medical, you know, technology, it's still like a 14 to 18 month rehab on that thing. So when they think they may have a guy that they need to shut down for Tommy John, you got to make that decision. If you wait and then you get four, five, six months into the season and then you shut him down and he needed Tommy John the whole time, you just wasted 
six months of that guy, and now you're looking at a 14- to 18-month rehab. He's not only missing the rest of this season, he's missing next season. Yeah, that's not good. Let me ask you another question because you were talking about sidearms um, and the way that some of these guys pitch overhand or sidearm. When you watch uh, ladies volleyball, uh, excuse me, not volleyball, when you watch ladies softball, they pitch in a windmill style of pitching. Under, yeah, uh, it's, underhand. It's and I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, which is why I'm coming to the sports expert. There's way less injuries with your shoulders and everything pitching underhand than there is overhand. Significantly less stress on both the elbow and the shoulders. If you watch enough of college, women's college softball, and I, I do have a bit of a a um, hook into into women's college softball for reasons outside the uh, scope of this podcast. But nonetheless, yeah. I've watched a lot of women's college softball. And yes. it, is, it is not uncommon for a pitcher to throw both ends of a double header in women's college softball. It's a very common thing. Yeah. That's what I was at. And the, and these, and these ladies can get up into the, 70s and 80 mile range right with their windmills right from 46 feet which is equates to about 100 miles an hour they're throwing 100 miles an hour now let me ask you this if this is because generally the human body is not designed for this overhand throw over and over again that's correct and it's not it's definitely not designed for this weird sidearm shit that these guys do sometimes even though it's awesome it's more designed for this underhand throw, correct? Like Absolutely. Our, our, okay. So is this something that trainers and pitchers, and I'm sure they have, is this something that anybody in baseball has looked at? Is it possible to pitch 85, 90, whatever miles an hour from that windmill style wind up and throw to get a strike with a baseball? Have you seen anything about that or any research? I've not seen any research. There's a couple of guys that come to mind. Uh, one back in the early 80s played for the Kansas City Royals. His name was Dan Quisenberry. And then there's another guy who played for the Oakland A's recently, Chad something or other. It, the name escapes me at this point. Now, these guys dropped down where it was almost like they were throwing it underhand. They they call them submariners. And yes, yes. Yeah they drop down where these guys are almost dragging the dirt of the mound with their hand. That's how low they're getting. And they're really coming from underneath. And I didn't see Chad Bradford just came to me. Chad Bradford was the guy who did it for the A's. And I don't remember those guys getting hurt. I definitely don't remember Quisenberry getting hurt and Chad Bradford. He wasn't quite the star that Quisenberry was, but occasionally these submariners come into the game and they're effective. I don't know if that will, you know, get in vogue a little more due to, you know, this just avalanche of Tommy John surgeries and other shoulder issues, elbow issues. But it seems like it's very difficult for a pitcher to go through a career without needing some type of major, you know, restorative surgery. How now let me ask you this. How do the pitchers how do they select how they throw the ball? Is it just something they get used to over time or because you've got like, I think his name was Tim Wakefield. Yeah, knuckleballer. He was a knuckleballer. So to anybody who doesn't know what a knuckleball is, it was like a 12 mile an hour 
red light, green light pitch, right? It was like a, a little soft, like, it was weird. It was like 60 miles an hour, and it looked all goofy, and no one could hit it. Right, it, it flutters it, because there's no spin. There's no spin on the ball, so the seams do not rotate as tightly. So the flight of the ball becomes incredibly unpredictable because it is not spinning. It is just uh, moving and being, you know, influenced by the air, the wind, and the elevation. You name it. It just kind of moves all over the place. You don't necessarily know where it's going. Even the good knuckleballers, and we don't see them anymore. Knuckleballers wasn't Tim like the last one? He's he's the last one that that threw it predominantly and was still kind of effective. He was a starter and a reliever. He had a quite a long year, a lot of years with the Red Sox. The thing with knuckleballers is they often don't come up as knuckleballers. Tim Tim Wakefield played his whole through college. He was a shortstop. He learned the the knuckleball. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of these guys become knuckleball wow. when their <laughs> yeah, when their career when their career is not going to go anywhere else. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But I it's just weird how all these pitchers have such different ways of delivering the ball to the plate that I was just wondering if it was something that's decided early, like oh yeah, I'm going to be a submariner or I'm going to be a sidearm guy or you know, I'm going to be this. And they and that's what they that's all they do. Um, but then secondarily, it was just interesting to think about how we, uh, the softball has come up with a way to effectively deliver the ball at nearly the same speeds as baseball with, I'm sure, way less injuries to the shoulders. I just I would wonder what it would look like if Robert, if uh, excuse me, if um, what's his name? The rocket there. Roger Clemens. The, if Roger Clemens had practiced underhanded windmill, and I don't think it's illegal to throw underhanded in Major League Baseball, correct? No, it's not illegal. I mean, as long as you are delivering the ball to the plate when you start, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, you could essentially send the ball UPS overnight from the mound to the plate, and as long as it's in the strike zone, you get a strike. So I'm just wondering if it, it would be interesting to see if one of these major league Roger Clemens types actually just pitched underhanded windmill style, maybe get that ball in the 90 mile an hour range to see if it would catch on. And maybe there'd be a lot less of this Tommy John type surgery injuries where their, their shoulders are just worn down over time. Like it just grinds and grinds and grinds and, and their ligaments get torn and everything. I don't know. Just I guess it's just an off the cuff. I've always wondered that. I've always admired the windmill pitch, and uh, I've never I've never had to face the windmill pitch, but I I have been in a lot of beer uh, slow pitch softball leagues, and from what I can remember playing those games, you know, the underhanded pitch can mess you up pretty good. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see. So do we have anything else going on in MLB? that we need to review. Anybody else go down with injuries? Tell me my Indians are healthy, please. The the Indians seem pretty healthy. I haven't seen anything on them that that is earth-shattering. The one interesting, and I think this is really interesting because it really opens up to a lot of supposition. And it didn't it didn't get much ink. I kinda I kind of came across it backhandedly, but apparently 
it ties into, you know, what's going to come down on the Red Sox or not come down on the Red Sox in terms of this sign stealing uh, situation. Uh, apparently the Dodgers before the Mookie Betts deal. Now this is before the Mookie Betts deal when they were kicking the tires on that. So it ties in a few things. They called MLB about Mookie Betts in regards to this situation. We'll call it sign stealing. Now, I don't have a transcript of the conversation, but it really begs the question, what were they fishing for by calling MLB and asking about Mookie Betts? Now, I think a reasonable conclusion is that they were calling MLB to say, hey, listen, uh, are these is this guy's statistics really skewed? You know, did he know Ooh. what was coming? Uh, do we think, you know, can we pull the plug here? Is he going to come over and suck with us because he knew what was coming? And it's not, you know, to continue to connect the dots, my guess is the Dodgers, uh, excuse me, my guess is MLB said, no, it's not a big deal on the Red Sox. We've been hearing a lot of things from a lot of sources saying the Red Sox deal is is going to be dwarfed uh, by the Astro situation. It's really not a huge deal. Again, we'll see. But the fact that the Dodgers called MLB to ask about Mookie Betts, I find that, I mean, that's that's good conspiracy type back room type stuff right there. Well, these these Astros, now we're not going to relitigate the sign stealing thing. Oh, I'm sure we will at some point. We will because they, they suck and they need to lose their shit and their rings and everything. But on my end, but they, uh, the, Astros have not been making any friends still uh, since this whole thing has went down. Even A-Rod so, called him out today. You got called if, out by A-Rod. What does and, that mean? And A-Rod is like the, you might as well stick your finger down your throat listening to that guy for him ratting out his teammates and all the things they were doing. But for him to say, what I did was wrong. What this happened was wrong. And the Rockets are or the Rockets, excuse me, the Astros right now. What the hell? They're not making any friends. They don't show any remorse. It's going to be a long season for the Astros, man. They're not going to. And it's going to be a long season for the MLB commissioner, too, because these teams are going to get their pound of flesh out of the Astros. I think no matter, no, I think there's no doubt about that. It doesn't matter how many memos you send around. You can send any all the little nasty grams you want to everybody. These te- these players and these union members players are so embarrassed right now and so pissed about these guys. I don't see these guys getting traded and moving around to other teams either to be honest with you. Unless no, that's what started the whole thing is the one pitcher uh, moved to the Oakland A's and his name was Mike Fires. He's the one who exposed uh, exposed the whole thing and got this ball rolling. Yeah, but what I'm saying is these other players who are left there, I don't I almost see them on some type of a blacklist where I don't think other teams are going to want to sign them. I agree. I mean, they're, they're scarlet letter. They definitely have scarlet letters. Man, I feel bad for the water boy of the Houston Astros. I don't feel bad for the garbage can guy. 
who was banging the garbage can to give the signals on what pitches were coming, I guess, or whatever was going on there. Now, let me give you another little one just to just to look at over the season, too. Just a little tidbit here. So sure. I, I haven't heard anybody connect these dots uh, yet. So this is the first connection of these dots um, that I have that I have thought of or, or heard or seen. But the, the guy who exposed the whole thing, Mike Fires, he was a pitcher on the Astros and he exposed this whole scam. OK, great. That being the case, how can Garrett Cole and Verlander, Verlander very outspoken, claiming they knew nothing about this because, well, they're just pitchers. Okay, that that may pass on the surface, but it doesn't pass the sniff test because two things. First, the guy who exposed the whole situation was a pitcher. And second, you're still sitting on the bench if you're still in the game as the starting pitcher and you hear the garbage cans banging and you hear the whistling and you know the guy's getting a signal. So don't tell me, Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole, that you didn't know what was going on. I'm I'm calling BS on that one. Yeah, I just think I think you're right. I'm going to agree with you on this. I am going to say that those two guys, Verlander's pretty much done with his career. Like he's on, he's not done, done, but he's, he's hit his apex mountain a few years ago, you know, and he's, I don't know if you can necessarily blame the pitching staff who's pitching to the opposing team. No, I'm not blaming them, but don't come out with harmonious holier than now you knew nothing was going on. No, I get that. I mean, they might've known or not known what was going on. I'm going to more side with you on the fact that. They knew, I mean, you know, when shit's going on in your house, you know, you might not know all the details, but you know, you know what I'm saying? So they might not have known exactly what was going on with Oscar the Grouch set up on the side with his little can and stealing these signs, but they're not, they cannot be attributed to manipulating the games. No, and that's fair. That's fine. So I think that's why. Garrett Cole gets a big contract and goes to the Yankees. I think that's why Verlander's okay with his reputation. You know, even if he did know or didn't know, it's tough too, man, because when you're part of a team, you have loyalty to the to your guys, right? So you want your team or your family or whoever you're associated with to do the right thing. You also don't want to be the rat. Sure. You know? Sure. So, I mean, look at, I mean, A-Rod is not exactly fans with a lot of, uh, or not a lot of, not a lot of friends left in the MLB because he was a rat. Didn't he come out at the end of his career and rat out people for doing shady crap while he was playing and and all those things? So, Well, and A-Rod was historically disliked by a number of teammates who were very, very likable characters. Jeter never liked A-Rod. Never. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you don't want to be the rat, but at the same time, you don't like, so we don't pretend to know, like, let's pretend, let's just for the sake of argument, say a Garrett Cole or a Justin Ver- Verlander knew what was going on. That doesn't, that's not a moral judgment as to how they felt about what was going on. So even if we did, even if we think they knew about what was going on, that doesn't mean they liked it. Oh, they sure. could have been they could have been disgusted by it. Uh so but 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 at the end of the day it just doesn't 
them knowing or not knowing about it, besides tattletaling on somebody about it, I guess, they're not they're not the reason that the uh, they were not affecting the outcome of the game. So stealing the opposing pitcher's signs really falls down upon the managers and the lineup. You know, it's the lineup, one through nine, who knew what was going on and was taking advantage of the pitches coming their way. So I don't I don't think you go to the bullpen or the other pitchers and, and, and bitch them out about what happened on the team. You know what section of the team was doing what? The hitting coach, the whoever coach, the third base guy, the first base guy, apparently the guy who picked up trash on the field with his garbage can. All those dudes, one through nine, the leadoff guy, the you know, they knew what was going on, and they're the ones who squarely should be the the microscope should be placed on them for uh, what the atrocities that have transpired to really harm the game of baseball. Uh, it should be them. You know, I don't, I actually don't, I don't even care if Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole knew because I wouldn't expect them to rat out their boys anyway. Even if they, I got friends who back in the day when I was younger did awful dirty shit and I didn't agree with them and I wasn't around them when they did it. But as long as they weren't like physically harming somebody else, I'm not going to rat them out. Of course not. Do you I know what I'm saying? Yeah. So sure. that's what I mean. So, but very interesting story you brought up, though. I do like it. Uh, is there anything else in baseball we have to cover before uh, before I get pissed off? No, baseball. Uh, I think that's uh, the cherry on top of baseball for now. Uh, future developments obviously will be coming out of spring training. You never know what's coming, so we will leave that open to revisit uh, when necessary. Yeah, it's just tough right now because we're waiting for the March Madness tournament to be uh, the brackets to be released. We've still got three or four weeks going on for baseball to really hit its stride and we can start talking some baseball. The NBA is kind of in its lull after the All-Star break, but we haven't we don't really know yet what's going to happen and the you know, who's going to be set for what playoffs. So this February, all of February, early March uh, period of sports is kind of tough to cover unless a major story happens like the Astros getting caught cheating. There's really not much else going on except your standard day-to-day, except our beautiful XFL, which we cover here once a week. But it's And then the NFL Combine, I think, or the NFL Combine already happened, but the NFL Draft is coming up, I think, soon, right? End of April. That's the end of April, and that'll be after Playing the Dogs special XFL championship show which is going to be broadcast live on the Ply Rock Nation channel on Facebook. So make sure you're following at Ply Rock Gamer. We're going to be with you guys watching the game, answering questions, breaking down plays with you, making fun of the awful commercials that I'm sure are going to transpire. Make sure you join us on XFL Championship Day, where the Houston Roughnecks, so says Mitch, will be playing somebody else for the first ever xfl championship all right dude Moldog, we got to talk about it man i hate to bring it up again i don't like recircling to things but they released some more pictures of uh robert pattinson's bat suit Uh uh-oh and 
excuse me for one second so I don't throw up in my mouth. So just give me one second. These pictures are clearly there to help mitigate the damage from the stupid shit we saw a few weeks ago or okay. last week. Um, I saw these pictures on ScreenRant.com. Uh, they brought out the uh, they got a picture of uh, uh, quote unquote uh, Batman, if that's what you want to call him, standing behind the new Batmobile. Look, apparently looks like the new Batmobile. The Batmobile itself, I don't really have an opinion on yet. It kind of looks like a Pontiac Thunderbird from like the 80s with an engine, a giant engine in the back of it. So it looks pretty. I don't know. It looks cool. It looks okay. I'm not I'm not willing to write off the movie on the Batmobile, but I don't give a shit about the Batmobile because Christian Bale drove around in the Tumbler, which was a giant Humvee looking thing like a tank with wheels. So but then we get a good look again at Batman himself, and he's got the cape this time, and it's not him on a motorcycle with lawn darts on his wrists. This is clearly damage control. After the mockery that was the last one, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think his suit still looks a little. You can't really tell from this because he's kind of off in the distance. It's not a close-up shot of his suit. Uh, from the second picture, you could still see the uh, the weaponized pencils on his wrists. <laughs> I don't know what those are. Uh, he's still got the, uh, it looks like he's wearing the same suit that we saw in the first picture, but with a cape and that doesn't save it, bro. You just don't get to put a cape on everything. I don't get to put lipstick and a cape on a pig and not call it a pig. It's still a pig. Um, so they definitely, these pictures are like, <clears throat> they're hued. So the, the color scheme on them is dark and mysterious. Like they're definitely trying to do some damage control damage already been done. The damage was done when you cast Robert Pattinson as Batman. All right. It's, it's, it's not going to work. I'm telling you, I have no interest in seeing this movie. Like, I don't care who else you cast in it. You could put this guy in Adam West's cheesy ass 1960s bat suit. And I wouldn't go see it. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what your thoughts are on this picture. But uh, it looks to me like a damage control type uh, news article. And figuratively, but it doesn't evoke the same uh, level of uh, vitriol that it does uh, with you, Ply. However, I will stand on my prediction from last time that regardless of what you say, you are still going to go see this movie. I am not going to see this movie. You are going to see the movie. I'm not buying it. Uh, Bullshit. I have no interest in seeing this movie. We'll see, though. We'll see. I don't know. If you guys want to check it out, ScreenRant.com has uh, has a new article up today, which today happens to be uh, March 4th, I believe. Yep. Uh, Where the new Pattinson's Batmobile revealed in official pictures. Cool. Good for them. Garbage. Moving on. So anyway, we got some good movie news, though. Some good movie news. Oh, what's that? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> the greatest actor of all time, Tom Cruise, has a new movie coming up this summer called uh, Top Gun Maverick. I've heard and something it, about that. And it was supposed to come out on June 26th, 
but they have decided to move it up two days. And instead of coming out on a Friday, which happens with some of these summer releases, especially summer releases that they think are going to do very well. Top Gun Maverick will now be released on Wednesday, June 24th. So we get to see our dreamy Tom 48 hours earlier than we did, than we thought we were going to see him. I don't know about you, Mav. I know we kind of went over Tom Cruise ad nauseum on the last podcast together when we went through his whole filmography. (laughs) Uh, So we don't really have to stay on this too long, but, uh, oh man, am I so ready for this movie, bro? Like, this is one of the ones I'm super excited for. I mean, obviously you remember the original Top Gun. I I don't know. I don't know if I've been as excited about a release in a long, long time. And now with this coming out, when it comes out, which uh, now it moves up, I'll be able to see it on my birthday. My birthday is the 25th. So since it moved up two days, maybe I'll go take it in on my birthday. Let's go. Ply and the Moldog live from the movie theater for Moldog's birthday on the 25th. I could see a giant event for it now. So let me ask you this, Moldog, because you just said you haven't been this excited for a movie in a long, long time. So I'm going to put your feet in the fire a little bit. Are you more excited for this or Ghostbusters Afterlife? Because they both come out this summer. That I'm very excited about both of them, but probably Top Gun just because of, you know, the, the elapsed time between first one in this but ghostbusters also there's been a lot of elapsed time there i'm really excited about both of them but if you you know gun to my head top gun well the elapsed time between ghostbusters and the new one kind of chopped up a little bit because you had a sequel a few years later right right which was which was a doable sequel it wasn't terrible it just wasn't the original but it was a good serviceable sequel to the original movie had funny moments etc Agreed. Uh, and then you had a long-running, extremely popular four or five season, the real Ghostbusters cartoon series. So you did get a lot of really good Ghostbusters stories there, too. You know, great cartoon for anybody who's never seen it. It was one a huge hit when I was a little kid, but they still hold up to this day. They're really good Ghostbusters stories. Um, Then... We had the movie that shall not be named in 2016 that they pretended might have been sort of a Ghostbusters movie that nobody liked. And then we're getting this. So a little more chopped up and a little more ghost and some good video games in the middle, like Ghostbusters, the video game, which is like a Dan Aykroyd written script, which should have been Ghostbusters three. So there is more Ghostbusters content, I guess, to consume than there ever was Top Gun. So you get a big hit in Top Gun. You get one really shitty Nintendo Entertainment System video game right when the movie came out that nobody could beat the first level because none of us could land the damn plane on the hair and the Harrier at the <laughs> end of the first level ever. Uh, you don't believe great. me, YouTube it. It was atrocious. But and then we got a really uh, a spotty, which I don't remember too much of, but we did get a Top Gun a video game for PlayStation one. It was one of the first video games to come out for that system. It starred the guy who I always forget his name, but I love him. He's in a ton of eighties movies and he might, I think he was in top gun. He played the principal in back to the future. I believe he always had a bald head. 
uh, tough guy played oh, had the always... guy who played like their original captain or whatever in Top Gun, where he said he was going to put him on a cargo plane full of dog poop. That guy. That guy. Okay. Okay, so he stars in the video game for the PlayStation One. It was the first video game that I ever had for PlayStation One when I was uh, a young buck. So the first game I ever played for PlayStation ever, my just started my PlayStation career, was Top Gun, the video game for PlayStation. I did not play it for very long because soon after that, I was playing other PlayStation games like Final Fantasy, you know, six and seven and other things that were just well above the, the grade of quality of Top Gun. But I do remember it was one of the first video games I saw full motion video where this guy was doing all the scenes and he was teaching the class in the classroom. And then you would go off and fly the jets. So there is a little bit of Top Gun material, but nowhere near as much as there was Ghostbusters material. So I can see Muldog why you would be more excited for Top Gun. I will say that I think they're both going to hit their general audiences right where their general audiences want them to hit. I think both productions know the target audience and know them well and know what kind of red meat they're looking for out of these movies. I do not think Sony's going to make the same mistake twice and make a shitty Ghostbusters movie twice in three years with a property that they really want to take off and make money and products for again. And that 2016 movie almost killed it off for good. Um, Bill Murray and those guys are becoming of an, of an advanced age. So they're not good. The three of four who are left are not going to be around forever to help get this franchise back off the ground in Ghostbusters. Oh, right. right. That ship has sailed. I mean, Harold, Harold Ramis has been gone for a few years now. And by the way, so is Ivan Reitman. Oh, that's right. So, you know, so those guys are gone but it's a great move to bring in Paul Rudd. I would make the argument that Paul Rudd is almost today's Bill Murray. He's got that sarcastic tone that every guy look that everyday guy look. He's a great, charming actor. Uh, he's a super funny dude. And he, the fact that they brought him into Ghostbusters afterlife is a really good sign. I do not know the whole story as to why they replaced Kelly McGillis with Jennifer Connelly for Top Gun Maverick. Um, But I can understand that Kelly, even at the time that they made the original Top Gun movie, was was not severely older than Tom Cruise, but she was, you know, she wasn't his age. He was extremely young and she was brought in as the quote unquote older teacher. And, you know, so she, you know, he's in his fifties. I don't pretend to know how old Kelly McGillis is. I'm sure mall dogs doing research on that right now while I extend out this comment to tell me how old she is, but I don't, I don't think she's Tom Cruise's age. So I could see where it might look a little funny on screen. If she's in her six, you know, she's 67 years old and he's 52 that they would have to uh, change it up a little bit. That's probably why they brought in Jennifer Connelly, who still looks good for her age, too. She, she looks great. I think she's probably in her 40s. She's got to be in her 
mid to late forties at this point. Well, so Kelly Gillis is 62. Okay. So she's 10 years older than Tom. Yeah. And she made it. The one thing I read, I didn't go too deep into the weeds in terms of, uh, of why the casting decisions were made that were made. But I do remember either a couple months back or somewhere in that category, reading something where Kelly McGillis made it known that uh, she was clearly not invited back. It was, it was not her decision. It was, uh, she was no longer welcome. Yeah. I don't think there was a part four in the movie. Like how do you reason? How do you bring back the love interest from the first movie if you can't bring her back in a cameo position, I guess? Be a little awkward, no? No, nah, I mean, you know, you could you could do the you know what you could do with her based on, you know, what she was in the first one, not just as the love interest but as her job in the first one. You could kind of bring her back as the uh the female you know, polar opposite of uh, Tom Skerritt's role in the first one. Yeah. Capacity like that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't actually haven't seen Kelly McGillis in much in a very long time. So she, she also has not been um, very active in the uh, Hollywood uh, field for a while. She, I think, I think she made something a few years ago. I remember not even recognizing her. Uh, because her appearance had altered so much. She had really short hair and she looked completely different than we all remember her in Top Gun. But I don't I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's maybe a hundred percent necessary to have her back. I mean I would like for personal reasons that she got a paycheck and was able to say hello to her old friends again, you know? Right. I guess just a but I don't I mean, I don't see her being a necessity. I mean, Maverick's the one you need back, so uh, you can bring in a Jennifer Connelly. You can bring in a John Hamm and some other actors to fill those other roles. So I think they're both going to be mega hits this summer, dude. I don't. I, they're the two movies this summer that I'm most excited to see. <clears throat> I'm not really excited about too much else on the movie front. Um, I am excited, however, for a new show that just came out a few days ago on Netflix. Uh, called Altered Carbon. Have you ever heard of it, Muldog? I have heard of it. I have not seen it. Okay. So the first season came out last... Uh, actually, I think it came out in, in 2018. It came out in 2018, early, early February 2018. And it's kind of a cyberpunk science fiction action show. Um, and it starred Joel Kinnaman who it was nice to see him finally get a break because uh, he had he had his big shot in the um, RoboCop remake, which nobody liked. So good actor. It was nice to see him get his own, like another shot at glory. And he was able to be the main star of this show called Altered Carbon. Now, Altered Carbon is straight up for adults. It is not a PG-13 show. It's an R-rated show. But basically, these human beings, uh, their consciousness is transferred into different bodies. So they they don't really ever die. Like if, if they're rich enough or, or someone steals them and puts them in a different body and steals their body, 
So, and it takes place in like kind of a rundown future. And uh, it was based off of a novel by uh, Richard Morgan called Altered Carbon. And it was just really good, dude. Like, you never know who was, you never knew really who was who. Joel Kinnaman's character was played, like, you saw his past lives when he was like a kung fu master and all this other stuff as it worked towards him trying to solve a murder mystery. But was someone really murdered because they can download their consciousness into other bodies, too? It was just really good. So I was happy. And I had to wait two years for season two. And season two is now Joel Kinnaman is not, (coughs) excuse me, the lead anymore for season two. But the character he played in the first season is. So the lead character's name is Takeshi Kovacs is his name. And instead of Joel Kinnaman playing Takeshi, Anthony Mackie took over and is playing Takeshi because they can transfer bodies, right? So where can this story go? It's so cool. Endless. Anthony Mackie was the Falcon uh, opposite Captain America in the movies. So you know who Anthony Mackie is, right? Yep. Great actor. Down to earth, dude pisses a lot of people in Hollywood off because he tells it like it is a lot of times. I like him a lot. I like people who piss people off. I'm a Stone Cold Steve Austin type of guy sometimes. But uh, I have not had a chance to check out season two yet. I will soon, though. And I also will have a full review for you guys shortly. And I will have a full review of the the Outsider from HBO because I'm it's coming up. It's almost over. There's a few episodes left over the next week or two. And uh, I have watched all of them as they've been coming out. So I will have a full review of the entire season of the outsider on HBO uh, once that's finished as well. So stay tuned for those. Um, definitely. I'm excited after we're done with this podcast to jump into my first episode of altered carbon tonight with a fat bologna sandwich on white bread with American cheese and mayonnaise. The only way. That's the the only way. And probably a bag of sweet and spicy Doritos. They do not sponsor the show, but those are the best Doritos ever. Not yet. They don't sponsor the show yet. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, But uh, I'll definitely have a review for those guys. Is there anything you're watching right now, Moldog, or coming up that you want to watch? that you're going to be helping us take a look at and review as we, as we uh, come through the spring season. Well, if you remember, you gave me quite a homework list when we went through the Tom Cruise filmography. Yeah. I gave you like, you had to watch like 10 of them. Right. As well as catching up to where I left off on stranger things. Stranger Uh, things is amazing. Yeah. The thing I would really anticipate that I got into and I have not looked it up whether there's another season coming or whether it's done the way it was left they have to have another season because there's just more to go over but are you familiar with the show Mind Hunter on Netflix yeah that's the FBI the true story of the FBI well the somewhat true story of the, of the genesis, FBI right of the genesis of the profiling uh, department of the FBI yeah, I've really like- got into that show 
Yeah, it's kind of like an X Files without the supernatural. That's a the good. Way they, yeah, that's pretty good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it too. I like those guys. I uh, it's kind of working its way to the Unabomber, right? Like a kind of Unabomber style thing going on in the background. Well, they they uh, use a lot of uh, kind of flash forward foreshadowing where they will they will show somebody about you know a little piece of somebody about to commit a crime and you can generally figure it out was that btk or was that unabomber or was that you know mcveigh whatever and they kind of you know show you that so it makes you think they're eventually going to get there the prize in the whole thing is interviewing manson that's what the guy wants to do the whole time the younger guy there you know his his kind of prize is manson because you know they haven't interviewed him yet you know, they left off, you know, they, they got through Atlanta, the Atlanta murders, uh, that took quite a while. So there's still a lot of territory that could be covered depending on how much they get into BTK or, or some of these other things. But I don't know for a fact, you know, where, how many seasons and, you know, where that is going, but I thought it was a really good watch. Yeah, no, that's a good show. It's funny. You mentioned these, uh, serial killer type shows when I was a kid, I was obsessed with true crime novels for probably a year or two there. And I read a ton of them when I was probably, I shouldn't have at eight or nine years old. And I remember reading this one. Uh, it was about this guy, Richie Ramirez in California, the night stalker. Yes. And I remember he, I just vivid, vividly remembering the novel that I read about this, where this, this sick puppy would blast ACDC music like to get himself pumped up for his kill as he was driving down the highway towards whoever he had chosen. You know, usually generally it was older ladies, which was atrocious. But uh, yeah, he was like a devil worshiper. He was like insane. And I remember reading this like eight or nine years old. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why are my parents letting me read this? This is awesome. (laughs) I would read through the whole thing, but. Yeah, the Night Stalker, Richie Ramirez. Oof. So I've kind of always had a little soft spot in my heart for these type of shows, too, Mall Dog. I did watch season one of The Mindhunter, and I did like it. Um, there are some really good Netflix shows about true crime and, and shows like this. Uh, there's one, uh, The Evil Genius, I think it's called, where it's that story of the lady and the uh the 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 gent there's a lady and a gentleman who plan on uh who who might or might not have been involved in it but plan on robbing a bank where they get the pizza delivery guy to show up to the bank with explosives all over him right yes 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 creepy ass documentary that's a great one i watched that one uh there was another one about a an author named peterson whose wife uh, fell down the stairs or he killed her, whichever you want to believe. I've seen that one too. That that's a, that's a good one. A yeah, great he, one. He pushed her down the stairs and. Well, that's the, uh, that's the uh, accusation. Right. That's the, accusation. That, he, that he pushed her down the stairs. Um, and it's very compelling documentary on both sides of what happened uh, to that poor lady that night. Including this weird owl theory, which actually makes sense if you listen to it a little bit. But you have to check out that show, too. 
Uh, those are a couple of really good crime shows. Um, and then everybody obviously always talks about the uh, the famous one with uh, the gentleman who uh, was wrongly imprisoned the first time uh, for years for a rape he didn't commit. And then uh, he got out of jail and he was getting ready to sue the city for wrongful imprisonment. And then they put him back in jail for a murder near his property. I'm, the name of the show is escaping me, but it's the f- to make a to make a murderer making a murderer making of a murderer. murderer. Yeah, yes. A murderer. And there's been a couple of seasons of that, and the first season very compelling. The second season I watched not quite as compelling. Plus, it was getting on my nerves a little bit. It felt a little manipulative the way they were doing the documentary. Like they clearly believed one particular thing, and they were editing and pushing footage and the storyline to go the way they believed as opposed to like an a and e style documentary where they talk about the facts and let you decide so those are some interesting shows if you guys like mindhunter that you should check out is there anything else mole dog you want to hit these guys over the head with before we call it a night well we've taken a little break uh, from the funny story segment or the news of the weird or whatever you want to call it. And I think it's a good time to bring it back. Oh shit. What are you going to do to me? All right, I'm ready. Well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go around the globe this time. All right. We're going to go over to Australia. All right, mate. All right. Put a couple of <laughs> on the Barbie, right? <laughs> so we, we have a, you know, a, a nice young woman over in Australia that, Happens to have a, a bit of a green thumb. She likes her plants and has a number of potted plants in her home and a garden and, and the whole thing. You know, nice, clean, fun, right? She's got a wonderful habit here. She's got a green thumb. Okay. Well, she's particularly proud of a succulent that she happens to have. Now, I'm not talking succulent like Wendy's Baconator Fries. Not that uh, type of succulent. Shut up, bro. I'm so hungry right now. You're killing me. You're gonna, you do what the pioneers do to me all the time. You suckers talk about food. All right, go I'm, ahead. I'm ready. I'm, I'm talking ready. about the actual plant. If you've never seen one, it kind of it kind of looks a little like a smaller aloe plant. You know, kind of kind of jelly type leaves in it. You know, it's it's a nice plant. It's a sturdy plant. It's a hardy plant. It's a nice plant. So anyway. I'm looking at it right now on Google while you're talking. Oh, yeah, it's so you see what I'm saying? So she's particularly it's... proud of this succulent. Okay. And, and so, you know, time is going on and, and we're doing well. And she finally decides at some point that, hey, listen, I got to I gotta repot this thing. You know, this pot is breaking. It's cracking. You know, it's time to give this succulent a, uh, a fresh home, if you okay. will. Okay, sure. So she goes to repot the succulent. And as she is taking it out of whatever receptacle it is currently in, oh boy, she notices that it is housed totally in foam and stuck in the foam, which is then stuck in the vase or pot, and it's plastic. She's been watering it for a year and a half. It is a plastic plant it is not real so she th- how does that and she reported this to the news so 
it gets better. The reason it is newsworthy, and and I don't, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to pick on this poor woman. I don't know her from Adam, but she was drinking a lot of Fosters. Yeah, maybe apparently. But the reason I guess it became newsworthy, right? Like if you were doing that, you would just throw the thing out and say, "Geez, what a dumbass!" You wouldn't tell anybody, right? I mean, that's yeah. What, what did what did she do? Well, well, she's now got some problems. The poor okay. woman. Okay. Okay. She feels like the last eighteen months of her life were nothing but a lie. Oh, don't tell me she's suing somebody. Or and some now. Shit. She has psychological and emotional problems, and she is going after the manufacturer. What an asshole. She's just been branded an asshole. You don't want to pick on this poor woman? I'm going to pick on this poor woman. Are you kidding me? How is it their fault that you didn't know that this was a a plastic plant for 18 months? Well, it's like, not like fault. Thank, thank God she didn't live in the Roman Empire. They would have thrown her to the lions. Are you this a joke? What and the she's quote, suing them? Yeah, the quote, the the quote that really knocked me, you know, knocked me off my rocker was, "It makes me feel like the last eighteen months were a lie of her life." You know, this one. This, <laughs> What does that even mean? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'd love to have her on the show, though. Jeez. Is that, I mean, I don't even know what type of Darwin Award we can hand out for that, bro. Well, there you have it. Wow. That is, I I actually lost three IQ points listening to that with uh, with what happened in that story. Well, that's that's pretty good because I my guess is the average would have been about 10. Listen, yeah, no, I, you know, right. I, I, I got a lot to spare, but it's just amazing. She, no, she wasn't disabled or blind or anything. This is a normal lady going about her business and watering this, this plant. Yes. Yes. Like, there's no, like, you know, she, there was no like extenuating circumstances of like, you know, she's not, there's no like real disability here. Like, cause people do have real disabilities and like, you know. So this is just a normal everyday lady who's just living her life and watering her plastic succulents. Watering so her wanna... plastic succulents. Yes, because she had other she had other plants indoor and outdoor. Like like I said, she was a bit of a green thumb. She was she so was she's an expert. Green. She's an expert in the field of messing with plants. Yeah, she's got gardens and everything else. Yep, and plastic and she's succulents. That, and she's that much of adult. That she doesn't know one of them is plastic. That's the story. I rest my case. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We're going to be back in a few days with another episode. We're going to be talking the Division Two Warlords of New York, amongst other things. Ply got his hands on that. We got some fun stuff coming up this week, too. Sea of Thieves, Mortal Kombat, Doom 2016. We're going to continue that on the live show. Moldog's going to be around on Twitter. Make sure you're following us at Ply and Moldog on Twitter. Make sure you're following Ply on Twitter, Ply Rock Gamer, and you're following us on Facebook too because we're all over the place and we don't just talk shit here. We talk shit everywhere. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time on the Ply Rock Nation show with Mitch the Moldog.